Hello, hello. Those are my people. That's my family right there. I just figured if you guys don't know my story or where I come from, it's important for you to know that. Um, my life was doomed from the start. And I shouldn't be here right now. And I just want to share a bit of my, my, my story and my testimony while I'm here on the stage. And um, I just want to let you guys know how much weight and honor I feel to, to be here and to serve this church. This is a great church. Um, um, I came here when I was 15 years old, completely sick and tired of church. I wanted nothing to do with it. I hated it. And, and I wasn't... Uh, I didn't come to this church with the ambition to ever be on the stage. I, in fact, came here to hide and did a really poor job at it, obviously. Uh, man, and I just, I just wasn't trying to get on stage. I was just trying to serve. I was just trying to serve what the Lord was doing. And, um, yeah, it's important uh, that we gather, and it's important that we stay here. And, and tonight, I just want to talk about that idea. I just want to talk about the church and being a brave church and being a bold church. Um, it's just something that's just been really moving on my heart and really stirring me for the last few weeks. And um, man, I just I uh, I I watch the news and, and see what's going on in the world, and it just seems really dark. Amen. It just seems really weird. And and so for me, with a lot of the stuff that's going on, and it just it just seems to me my my observation, it just seems like we've regressed like 50 years in our discussions about race and all those things, because that's my reality right there. I haven't had to have conversations about race because it didn't matter <laughs> for a long time in my entire life. So I just want to talk a lot about, about just being a bull church and what the Lord's doing on the earth today. Um, and I, I just want to assure you that God is on the move. And that's nothing that they're going to report to you on secular news and in the newspaper. That's just, that's not what sells. But God is on the move, hugely. And I believe something to the core of my being. I have ambitions with, with the church. I have ambitions with music. I have ambitions with business. I have all these things in my life that I want to do. But I assure you that the greatest move of God will happen with the local church. Bono talks about this idea how we need to stop asking God to bless what we're doing and just do what he's already doing because it's already blessed. Amen? And if you pay attention to the statistics and you pay attention to what's going on in the world, it seems like the church is on the losing end. And if you're here this weekend, it was something that just came up like a fire in my bones in me. But it's this idea that the Lord said that he would build his church on the rock and the gates of hell would not stand against it. The gates of hell will not stand against it, which means the church is on the offense. The church is the one moving forward. But when you look at Facebook and you look at social media and you look at the statistics from, from whatever group and whatever research and you see how many kids are dropping out of church these days, it seems like we're on the defense of a lot, doesn't it? And just this week, a, a, another megachurch pastor had, had to step down due to moral failure, and, and we're so used to that in the news, aren't we? But I assure you this, is that God is not at war. The war has already been won. You cannot be at war with a defeated enemy. 
And the church is on the move, and it's going to do great things. Amen? I'm going to read a passage from Nehemiah 1. If you have your Bibles, please turn there with me. Does anyone actually use physical Bibles anymore? Who has a physical Bible? Let me see it. Yes. My kind of people. Yes, that's a thick Bible. Hmm. And as you turn in there, man, I just, I want this to be a conversation. I don't pretend to know all the answers, and I don't pretend to know everything, but I do, I do believe a few things, and I do believe that we do know who the answer is. We may not know what the answer is, but we know who the answer is, amen? But I believe that the Lord is calling us to be a church that understands our identity and is fearless in the face of all these things that are happening. And the vision for my life and the vision as, as I lead worship for this church is this idea that we would be worshipers that engage culture. That we would be worshipers that boldly engage, engage culture. And that was just kind of a mantra that I've had over my life. And, and kind of when I lead worship is this idea is that I want to be able to engage people outside of the church. That's something that's really important to me. But, but what the Lord has revealed to me over the last few weeks and just as I've been spending time with him and getting ready for this talk is that that's not, that in itself is not a unique idea. That's where Jesus wants his people is in culture. And so we're going to talk about a lot of those ideas. Nehemiah 1, it says, the words of Nehemiah, the son of ha whatever, one of those names we can't pronounce. Now it happened in the month of Chislev in the 20th year, and I was in Susa, the citadel that Hananiah, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and let your eyes be open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules you have commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people who you have redeemed by your great power and your strong hand. O oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight and fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was cup bearer to the king. So this is Nehemiah 1, and Nehemiah is the cup bearer. 
which is not a fun job to get. You can only get that job when the other guy dies. His job is to check the cup for poison, make sure that the king's good, drink it, bam, go on with life. Um, and so Nehemiah has just found out that his people are in exile. His town has been destroyed. It's the equivalent if someone just came here, just ransacked Castle Rock, and, and there's just a few of us left. And what happens is he hears this news from guys that he grew up with, his brothers, and he just begins to weep and fast and pray. Knowing that that wasn't God's heart, knowing that that wasn't God's plan, he begins to weep and fast and pray for answers. And so point number one, if you're taking notes, is what will you weep for? What will you weep for? There's a stigma in culture today that we have to be strong, and there's Maybe just this fine line where if we're too strong, then people get really offended by us, and we, we kind of find ourselves in this limbo where we can say some stuff, but not too much stuff. But I believe that the Lord is asking us to find things that we're so passionate about that we will weep for it. And I don't believe that crying just for the sake of crying is necessarily what I'm talking about, but what I do believe is that you will begin to cry about what you pray for, that your heart will be bent towards what you pray for. Almost every time, just like that video you saw, almost every time I think about my family and pray for my family, I just begin to cry. I just begin to weep. Why? Because my heart is bent towards them. Philippians 3.18 says, For as often as I have told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as the enemy of Christ. There is a world that is sick and dying. There is a world that is sick and dying. Galatians 4.19 says, My dear children, for who I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Paul is talking about these ideas in two separate passages where he is physically just aching that the people around him would know Christ. And I think what society has done to us is it's tricked us into this place of passivity where we're just okay with things that happen. We're just okay with our friends and neighbors that don't know Jesus. We're just okay to accept it as it is. We're just okay with the depression that our neighbor deals with. We're just okay with the sickness that resides in our own house, maybe in our own bodies. And we just begin to tolerate it and let it fester and grow. But I believe that that's not what the abundant life that Jesus died for is for. Not for you to tolerate sickness, not for you to tolerate people that haven't encountered the love of God. What will you weep for? Just like Nehemiah hearing the wall that was broken down, 
What are the walls in our life that are broken down? And I have a couple ideas of things that, that I believe are just broken down that I believe that the Lord is restoring in his church and restoring in this church, most definitely. But one of those things is our resolve to be worshipers in all things. I believe that that's something that just over time that society has just broken down. And, and like I said, I can, I can read scripture. I can read uh, stories of great, great battles that the Lord had fought on people's behalf. And I can read the stories of the David and Goliath and then be like, oh, man, that's nice. And I close my Bible. And that bill comes in. That thing on the car breaks. That bad news comes in. Some tragedy happens in the news, and I freak out. Another thing I believe that is broken down is our love for the Word of God. I believe that in order to spread truth, we have to know truth. If I'm not spending my time in the word with the Lord, with the word, if I'm not spending time in the word with the word, I can't release over people what I don't yet have. And we can't live kingdom unless we know kingdom. I wrote here that we are more likely to go after the instant gratification of a podcast or a sermon on a Sunday morning than we are to patiently wait and tune our ears to listen to the Holy Spirit in prayer. We are more likely to go after the instant gratification of a podcast or a sermon on a Sunday morning than to patiently wait and tune our ears to the Holy Spirit in prayer. We talked about this yesterday in our all-staff meeting. There is no substitute for the presence of God. There is no sermon that you will hear that will substitute for the presence of God, not even this one. And I'm guilty of it, too. When I'm feeling dry and when I feel like I haven't heard from the Lord in a while, it's, it's easy to just turn on Bill Johnson because Bill Johnson is full of revelation. Amen? But guess where he got that from? Shutting his mouth. <laughs> like I'm not willing to do a lot of times in my prayer time. Another wall that's broken down is our families. And I believe that family is the government of heaven. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Family is the government of heaven. A unit of people that serve one another. The very government of heaven has taken a back seat to the whims of the American dream that we have called Christianity. The very government of heaven has taken a back seat to the whims of the American dream that we have called Christianity.
There's a few months there from October to December, um, and just little pockets of time since then, um, that I, I just was paralyzed with anxiety, absolutely paralyzed with anxiety. I, I would, I would, there was a few days where I would be here at work and, and just be going about things, and I'll just break down, and I would just start, I'm not an emotional person, I'm very logical, and like almost to a fault, and I just broke down. And I would call my wife and just say, hey, I need you to pick me up. I need you to take me home. And I would just sit there and stare at the wall till 10 o'clock and go to bed and do it again the next day. This was months. And what I realized is that my heart had made room for so many other things, whether it was entrepreneurship or my ambitions and dreams or even good things like serving at church. Instead of being able to step back and listen to his voice. And the Lord convicted me a lot of, of replacing him and the desires that he has for me. And replacing a lot of the, um, whatever, the desires he has for me. I lost that one. Um, with the American dream. I'm going to make X amount of dollars. I'm going to make sure my house is yay big. I'm going to make sure that I'm making this money by this amount of time. I'm going to make sure that I have this in the bank account. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I believe that um, the Lord loves blessing people with, with material things. But, but most of all, I believe that the Lord wants to bless you with the fruits of the Spirit and the things that he's doing. Amen? But those things aren't very sexy and they don't really buy cars. <laughs> so they're, they're not a lot of fun to wait on. And I believe that the Lord is calling us as a church and as people in the church to a new level of intimacy. A new level of intimacy. And I hope, I hope you find these words encouraging. This has just been my journey for the last few months. And I believe that the Lord is calling you specifically to a place where you can get alone with him and know his voice. Because at the end of the day, there's only so much good my voice is going to do. There's only so much good JR and Mike's voices are going to do. But it cannot replace the voice of the King of Kings. It cannot be the water that you will never thirst from again. Second Timothy 3 in the message says, don't be naive. There are difficult times ahead. As the end approaches, people are going to be self-absorbed, money-hungry, self-promoting, stuck-up, profane, contemptuous of parents, crude, coarse, dog-eat-dog, unbending, slanderers, impulsively wild, savage, cynical, treacherous, ruthless, bloated windbags, <laughs> addicted to lust and allergic to God. Eugene. They'll make a show of religion, but behind the scenes, they're animals. Stay clear of these people. They'll make a show of religion. That's something that just hops out at me a lot. Because we can show up to a great worship service and, and be moved by it. I believe that our worship in the house is some of the best worship for miles. And that has nothing to do with me. They were great up here without me. 
We can show up to church and we can have this amazing experience. How many of you have had those experiences where you just feel like the Lord is talking to you? And you just get goosebumps and they play that one song that you were hoping to God they played. And you're like, oh my God, this is the best thing I've ever heard. But let me challenge you with this idea that the Lord isn't looking for people to just be moved. He's looking for people that are going to go rebuild the walls. It's one thing for Nehemiah to hear about what's happening on in a city and cry. It's another thing for him to get up and go rebuild the wall. And that wall's different for a lot of us. For some of us, that's forgiveness. That's probably mine. I can hold grudges really deep. I can be prideful. For some of us, that's just going back to our spouse and saying, I'm sorry. I don't know why I said that. Was that a line? Maybe it's serving a boss you don't like. My bosses are amazing. Love you. <laughs> but I believe that in this day and age that the Lord is looking for more than rock stars that hit the right notes. And I tell that to my team all the time. I don't, I don't believe that the Lord is looking for rock stars to hit the right notes. I believe that he's looking for people that are full of the spirit that will labor in the place of prayer for lost people. To the point of tears. Number two, if you're taking notes. Passive ideas yield passive results. Bold faith moves mountains. Passive ideas yield passive results, but bold faith moves mountains. Too many times in church we treat Jesus like a good idea instead of the king of kings. I was listening to a sermon earlier today, and he was talking about a great cloud of witnesses that surrounds us that it talks about in the word. Great cloud of witnesses. And so all these heroes that we read about in Scripture are just watching and cheering us on and interceding on our behalf. And I just imagine in my mind's eye this, this, this like, picture of David. Just saying, Aaron, will you be even more undignified than this? Will you dance before the Lord? Or Moses being like, hey, Aaron, it's only been five years. I waited 40. Didn't even get what I wanted. My hope and my prayer for you is that every time you walk in this building, that you would experience a new measure and depth and revelation of love that you haven't had before. Because if we only knew the love that was on the other side waiting for us, we wouldn't stop. We wouldn't stop at the point that we're comfortable. We wouldn't stop at the point where it gets awkward.
And I think a lot of times we've tamed our faith down to be able to fit the mold of, you know, being a little weird but not too weird. You know what I mean? And there's been this issue in the church where we, we have separated ourselves from holiness and we call it legalism. People that are willing to commit to prayer, people that are willing to commit to worship, people that are willing to speak life instead of endure gossip. I fall in that category most definitely. And one of my favorite passages in scripture is this uh, passage where Jesus has done absolutely nothing and he's just starting his ministry and he, he gets baptized and, and God parts the clouds and says, this is my son who I'm well pleased. And he's done absolutely nothing and a dove flies on him and it's super epic. And then he goes into the desert. He goes into the desert and he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. And what happens is it says that he came out of the desert with power. Wait, so he's done nothing. He's just been working a day job. He gets dunked in some water, goes to the desert, and comes out with power. It's interesting to me how in the, in the church we're willing to make a formula of a lot of things except the ones that are uncomfortable. I want power. I want the level of presence that Jesus carried. I want to be able to heal the sick. Or just like the disciples, my shadow just touches them and they encounter the, the presence of Jesus and get healed. Anybody want that? Passive ideas yield passive results. If my personal faith only exists from 8 to 5 when I'm here or on Sunday morning when I'm leading worship, then that's a passive faith to me. But it's another level of boldness to fast, to pray. And I believe what happens is the world sees passive faith. And they don't see it changing our lives, and they don't see it changing our homes. So why would they want any part of it as well? There's this part in the scripture where Jesus is speaking to thousands and thousands of people, and he gets to this really weird part where he says, if you want to be part of me, you have to drink my blood and eat my flesh. Do you guys remember that part? If you want to be part of me, you have to eat my blood and drink my flesh. And thousands leave. Thousands leave him. Because it's one thing to say that you want more of God, but it's another thing to actually make the adjustment in your life. Passive faith yields passive results, but bold faith moves mountains. 
Number three, my favorite point. The world needs our worship. The world needs our worship. If you're here on Sunday morning, I talked about this idea of how I'm an opinionated person. I grew up with seven siblings. You learn how to be super opinionated with seven siblings, especially one of the youngest. But the world doesn't need my opinion. They need my worship. And I talked about this, this scripture in 2 Chronicles 20, and I would encourage you to go home and read it and, and really dive in. It's a powerful, powerful passage. But long story short, this army is outnumbered on every side, and they send out the worshipers to sing, the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. And they win the battle because they decided to worship, because the battle's the Lord's, not yours. And I get it. Aaron, you don't know what I'm going through. This happened. Aaron, you don't know, you don't get it yet. I know, I know I don't. There's a lot of situations I don't understand, even in my own life. But the Lord is good and his love endures forever. And I believe that when we put ourselves in a place of worship, then we're sowing into the right kingdom. But otherwise, fear robs us of our destiny and the generations to come after of their destiny. Amen? How many times have we allowed ourselves to lose ground because of fear when the Lord is calling us back into the secret place? And it doesn't feel like you're doing anything. You know how many Tuesday mornings we meet as a staff here in the back? You know how many Tuesday mornings I've come to work ready to work and JR and Mike just want to pray? You guys don't know my schedule. I have this to do. I have this to do. I have this to do. Well, let's just stay a little longer and pray. I have a meeting. I have to do this. I need to get this done. Let's just stay a little longer and pray. And guess what happens? Every time my work gets done, and I'm more filled up because of that. The quickest way to punch the enemy in the face is to worship in his face. That is within your ability. You may not be able to manufacture money. You may not be able to get your children to obey immediately. You may not be able to understand what your spouse is saying right now. But what you can do is you can worship in the midst of it and watch the Lord do something incredible. Because in situations of worship, we take our eyes off ourselves and we allow God to reveal himself as God. Every person in this room has seen the extent of themselves and been left wanting. No? In every situation that I've decided to take control and I've decided to make it Aaron's way and I've decided to make it happen, it's always fallen apart. I've been to the extent of myself and it's not very impressive. We always like to think better of ourselves in the circumstance and think less of God.
but kingdom living yields kingdom results. And if we will be people of the kingdom that are willing to wait upon the Lord, and in the situations that are tough, say your love endures forever. That sets an example to your spirit and the people around you of who your God is. Worship is a tool of transformation, not just the background of transformation. Worship is the tool of transformation, not just the background of transformation. And I want to say this. I'm not specifically advocating for what we specifically do up here and saying that every time that I get up here, you guys just need to be pumped up. I mean, it would be good for you. <laughs> it would be really good for you. I encourage you to get past a place where you're comfortable because I believe that a breakthrough is on the other side of it for you. I promise you that if you get past the place you're comfortable, you will find breakthrough. But what about this idea? What did worship look like in the garden before there were sound systems and lights? It looked like relationship. This space is about relationship, not rituals, not a good band. We have our off days, believe you me. It's about relationship. And if we can be people that are willing to foster the spirit daily, we will see breakthrough on the other side, I promise you. Ben wants to come back up wherever they are. I love the imagery in Revelation about worship. And there's been creatures that surround the throne for longer than we know, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years. They surrounded the throne, and every moment they're just saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Because they're discovering every moment a new attribute of his character that they didn't realize was there before. And as soon as they get revelation, they look back up at him, and then they see something else. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Because there's something new about his character that they've never seen before. It says that there's creatures just covered in eyes that are just around the throne room. It's an interesting picture, but this, uh, this pastor named Dan McCollum says that it's, it's a beautiful thing just because they have unlimited perspective of he who sits on the throne. 
unlimited perspective of he who sits on the throne. And we as a church, we can be so limited sometimes. We as people, we can be so limited sometimes in our perspective of who sits on the throne. But I believe that the Lord is calling each and every one of us in this room to a new level of faith and boldness and worship. that will testify greater to his love than what we could do on our own. The world doesn't need more secular Christianity. The world doesn't need more cool churches. Your families, your schools, your city, Castle Rock, has walls that need rebuilding. And maybe your hammer of choice is going to work on a daily basis. Maybe your hammer of choice is serving your wife or serving your husband in a way that you've never done before. Maybe your hammer of choice is serving at church. That's great. We need volunteers. But all of our hammer of choice needs to be the ability to go past the point where we're uncomfortable. I love what JR says. We weren't called to be comfortable. We were called to make a difference. I'm not one that usually loves like the Christian rah-rah pep talk, like let's go change the world. But at the same time, the abundant life is waiting for you. So as we go back into worship, as we, as we dive back in, what is it that makes you uncomfortable? How are you not just going to be moved but actually go rebuild a wall? Are you going to labor in the place of, place of prayer? Where the Lord can give you vision and wisdom and strategy. What situation in your life do you need to say the Lord is good and his love endures forever? If we could get the lights down a little bit, that would be great. just have a little bit longer, but um, Oswald Chambers says that worship is giving back to God what he first gave to us. Giving back to God what he first gave to us. And Graham T Cook talks about the story where his 
his kids came up to him and said, hey, Dad, can I have 20 bucks? He's just like, sure, of course you can have 20 bucks. What is it for? He says, so I can buy you a Christmas gift, Dad. And that's what worship is. And the burden that's been on my heart lately, and, and I talked to the team about this on Thursday, is a lot of us come into this place and we're just spiritually bankrupt. And we have the, the pressure to perform and we have the pressure to pretend like it's okay. Or maybe you go to work and you're just empty. Maybe you go home to your family and you're just empty. You have nothing to give. But this right here is not the only form of worship. Whatever that is that's draining you. Ask the Lord, say, hey, can I have $100? I need it really bad. It happened this last Sunday when I was getting up to lead worship. I was like, man, I don't have anything. Can I have $100, please? It was powerful. And you know why it was powerful? It had nothing to do with me and everything that he had to give. I just believe that the Lord wants to do something new tonight and I'm gonna ask you guys to be real brave. Can we do that? I'm gonna ask that you stand. And if you're in a situation right now where you just heard the bad news, where you feel like your wall has just been torn down, and you're just in that place of mourning, and you're just in that place where you're not sure what you gotta do, I believe that the Lord is calling you into a place of intimacy that he's going to give you vision and wisdom and strategies about how to accomplish what he has next for you, how to rebuild that wall. But as a church, we wanna surround you. Is that all right? So if you're feeling like a wall has just come down in your life, would you be willing to come forward so we can pray for you? Can Mike and any altar ministry people come up and JR? I just believe that this is a time where the Lord wants to minister to you. that the broken down wall isn't going to be broken down forever. And what's powerful about the story of Nehemiah is his courage to be able to go back and rebuild that wall. He wasn't a carpenter. He wasn't someone that had the skill. He wasn't someone that had the ability to do this. But he felt a burden. He felt an ache for the people of God. And that very wall that he built is the same wall that Jesus years later would come riding through to save us from our sins. Jesus couldn't have done what he did unless Nehemiah was willing to respond to the ache and the burden that was on his heart. There was no way that he could have known that. 
He didn't feel like he was doing some great task. It was menial. It was a blue-collar job. He wasn't a rock star. The things that the Lord has called you to do may seem insignificant in your eyes, but it may be the freedom of someone else and the generations to come. So we're just going to go back into worship, and if you need prayer, maybe you need vision, and maybe you're just feeling dry right now, and you don't even know where to begin in rebuilding your wall, the Lord wants to speak to you in this place. He wants to speak to you outside of this place. So Jesus, we just come to you now. And I just pray for everybody within the sound of my voice. And I pray that you would just do a great work tonight. I pray for new measures of revelation. I thank you for a fresh encounter with your love. God, I speak to stress. I speak to worry. I speak to anxiety. I speak to confusion. And I say you must go in the name of Jesus. You are not welcome. It will no longer rob them of the destiny that you have placed in their life. And I thank you that generations to come will benefit from the words that you speak in this place, whether we can measure it or not, God. I pray that we would be a church that would boldly go after your voice. I pray that we would be a church that would speak unity and love. And that we would reject the devil where he stands in Jesus' name. We say you have no permission. In Jesus' name.